G'day guys, welcome back to Beers and Breakevens brought to you by Blue Wealth Property. Make sure you reach out to Tony and the team if you'd like to get involved there. They make investing in property easy for you. Also brought to you by Bloke in a Bar. We've got the mid-strength on today, full strength as well. Also available courtesy of Kempe. Uh, slip into your local this weekend. Check on the website where they're available and get stuck into some bloke for Grand final week, the best week of the rugby league calendar. Unreal stuff. Joined by my co-host once again, Timmy. Welcome back for the final time, mate. Five months without your dribble, week in week out. You'll be begging for me next week. I can already (laughs) fucking see it, one hundred percent. Now we got four teams to review today and give a quick little preview for twenty twenty three. Four of the big dogs. Now we're recording this a couple of weeks before the grand final. Parramatta, Cowboys, Sharks, Penrith today. Uh, are we both calling that Penrith will be playing this weekend in the GF? It'll be a Raiders Panthers grand final, mate. So I'll, um, I've already got my ticket booked, actually. I, I said on last week's uh, delayed podcast for the prelims that I was going to get it last week. I've actually gone and booked it straight after this podcast. So uh, ready to go, mate. I'll, I'll see you there. Tell you what, the nation's capital might be dealing with the worst three week hangover of all time <laughs> at the moment. I've got the Panthers, I've got them playing the Sharkies this week. So we'll see how that plays out if I'm on the money or not. You've got Penn playing Sharks. Grand final, yeah. The Sharkies have been a little bit underappreciated at yep. the moment. I, I like I like Penrith v Roosters, but I haven't done the mass if they would come against it. I suppose it'll depend on results, won't it? But it'll depend on week one of finals where they come up against each other. But I'm going to say the Roosters, if they don't clash with Penrith, that'll be the grand final. I think the Roosters would have been gone two weeks ago against South Sydney. Anyway, we'll stop having the most ridiculous fucking conversation <laughs> of all time for so you guys. Stupid. Yeah, ridiculous. We'll leave it there. Um, Jump back in the time machine, back to now. Stupid until one of us gets it right. And 100%. Up like genius. Great. Uh, Parramatta. <laughs> Plenty of guys here, a stacked supercoach team. Not a heap of disappointing guys, realistically. Uh, the best guys, Isaiah Papali'i. Uh, he was the best forward in 2021. Is there a fair argument he was the best in 2022? What, what an unbelievable rise oh. in both, obviously, NRL and then in supercoach. Like, we thought... Came out last year and averaged 67, sorry, 67, 78 per game and backed it up this year with 79 per game. And last year we were looking at his 70, 78 per game and going, gun, but a lot of tries in there. You know, who'd want to pay, you couldn't pay top dollar for him to start this season because the tries will have to drop down. They didn't. Mate, he came out and bettered his season average, scored, like, didn't score for the first five, six weeks of the year, but was still punching out big numbers, over 50 in base. What a, like, what a gun. I'll tell you what, if we're having this same conversation in a year's time and he's gone 79 at the Tigers, mm. I'm putting him in the fucking immortal conversation. <laughs> he cannot possibly keep this up going yeah. to the Tigers. I'll be so impressed yeah. if he does. Mitch Moses and Dill Brown, the Parramatta halves. What a season these two have had. Been the real coming of age season for Dylan Brown. You had him for part of the Supercoach season. Been unbelievable, these two. And when we talk about Dylan Brown, we have to talk about his little uh, partner in crime, little, the giraffe, the walking giraffe, yeah. Sean Lane. Another one you had I've been so jealous of all year. Dill Brown and Sean Lane, I think it's been one of the best pairings you could have possibly come up with in Supercoach this year. Mm. Yeah, then three three of my better trades from the season, starting with Dylan Brown. And there was a lot of people earlier in the year in that 5'8 category that were anywhere from four to sort of 500K 
there were like Sean Johnson's, which sounds ridiculous now, but people chatting about Sean Johnson's, uh, Luke Keary's, and a few others in there. And it was re- a real divide. End up landing on Dylan Brown, thank Christ. Uh, Brown went absolutely nuts, did a really good job for me. I'd traded in Mitchie Moses around three or four, had a really good run with him. And Sean Lane, who's a bloke, I, I just never saw myself trading in, even when he was playing decent minutes. He just had a real career year for me after being solid for a number of years. He turned into a star, uh, ended with a season average of 69 points. And I think if you take out the early stages of the season, I don't have the numbers in front of me exactly, but the last probably 12 to 14 weeks, it would have been around 80 plus. because yeah. he was, And that's when most people were obviously trading him in. So it was a revelation and because of his attacking upside, you know, I wouldn't mind, I could see myself potentially starting with him next year. So could I, mate. I remember watching games this year with Sean Lane and thinking, oh, okay, he was pretty quiet there. 70 every week. And it, you mentioned that it's no shot that it coincided with the year that Dylan Brown had. Yep. And we often talk about how how much the, the back rollers and the wingers benefit outside good direct ball running halves like Dylan Brown, like Kieran Foran, because they just create so much space for them and they really isolate the uh, the, the depend- defending half on a big lanky back row. I like Sean Lane. We've seen Luke Keary did it for uh, Angus Crichton in the back end of the season. So a lot of what Lane did was with thanks to Dylan Brown. Also helps out too that you got Sivo out on the sting. Like mm. your, your defence can't shrink in. Yeah. You've, you've got to hold your man there. So... Yeah, Parramatta, such a good super coach side. If we had to pick most disappointing this year, as much as he wasn't overly relevant, Reid Marnie, a little bit of a down year, had periods where he wasn't playing the full 80 minutes, not a great year. Junior Bolo, now uh, you look at him and you look at his skill set and you go, he must be a super coach mm. weapon. But he's always a little bit disappointing when it comes to super coach, realistically. He's a little bit similar to Arden Fanua Blake in that he's got the motor to play big minutes. You know, he can bust a few tackles. You got one of the best offloads in the game, but just one of them plays that for every, whatever reason is, it just doesn't seem to happen. And then he always goes on just three, four game stretches where he might find some attacking starts or he just punches out monster base and you're like, if he keeps this up, wow. Just never happens. And then he goes on to average 50 points. So a little disappointing. He'll start cheap next year, but yeah, hard to have. Now, guys that we're looking at for next year, 2023, the Parramatta Eels, obviously they've had a few change, or they will have a few changes. IPAP obviously going to the West Tigers, uh, so is, uh, and Reed Marnie going to Canterbury, so they'll lose their nine and their back rower. Uh, Ryan Madison, he becomes interesting, and geez, he went through parts of this year where he was the absolute terminator coming off the bench there. You could lock in a 65 off the bench, which was crazy. It'll be interesting to see what they do here. I think one of Madison or Hopgood will become mainstayers. I think Madison, no matter where he is, he'll get through enough work. Hopgood, I could see him becoming the 13 at the Parramatta Eels next year. I've spoken about him. I'm very, very high on Jermaine Hopgood coming from the Penrith Panthers. So two guys there to watch. I think Hopgood, he played 60, I think he played 70 minutes or something last week for the Penrith Panthers, scored 67 super coach points, essentially all in base. Got over the line and dropped the ball. So I definitely think he's one to watch. I think we'll have a lot of conversations about him. Madison. Do you play him at 13? Do you play him on the edge to replace IPAP? They've lost near Corey as well. The depth has been hit. Where do you see Maddo fitting into this side next year? I like him on the edge, mate. I just think he's a, a fantastic line. He runs a terrific line. It just opens him up to... to <laughs> sounds funny. It doesn't open him up to ball play more, but it, it, it opens him up to more attacking ball playing, like a, you know, a bit of a Wade Graham where he, he's got enough creative now so that he can cr- <clears throat> create things on the edge. 
when he's at lock, it's a completely different ball play yep. role because you're the link man, which is, as we know, not good for super coach because it eats through your, your, your base stats. I just think he's too good a strike weapon um, to keep in the middle. I like him on the edge. It will depend on, as you said, the options that they've got to play as a link man come next year, whether that's Hopgood or if someone else comes into the fray. But uh, I like Matto on the edge, but man, he's just such a terrific footballer that it doesn't matter where he plays, he gets through his work, he offloads, he does find his way into attacking stats. And I think we saw this year, even when he was playing a 55-60 minute role, he can still be an elite super coach player. So minutes either way, it doesn't really matter. The other one to keep an eye on, and uh, you know, yeah. it's going to take a few injuries, but... Bryce Cartwright, the Cardi party. Oh. With IPAP gone, with Nia Corey gone, at the moment, I think he'll definitely be on the bench. And if something was to happen to Matto, I, I probably think that he would he could potentially be the next man man up on an edge. So it's going to take a few injuries and stuff, but it will happen throughout the year at some point. So one to keep an eye on there as well, the Cardi party. Mate, let's move to the North Queensland Cowboys. And, um, mate... What a season it has been. Uh, hard to find disappointing guys, easy to find your best. It's a hot field. Drinky, uh, he's, he's been my boy all year. I've absolutely loved him. We both couldn't believe that Toddy Payton didn't have him in his plans at the start of the year. He's got the very best out of him. Val Holmes, I thought he was playing out of position. And it's, it's crazy, a centre that's not named Joey Manu, essentially, that we just thought a few weeks ago, we have to get him in. There is no question. It's not very often that happens, right? Yeah. Big time. But like, that, such a success story in the NRL that, for obvious reasons, has translated to supercoach success. The Cowboys, from being such a boring supercoach side last year with no relevance to this year, name a player and you can find someone who's featured in sides at all different times of the year. There was Tom Dearden's for people early on. There was, um, for a very brief phase there, around the early origin period, Hamaso Tabuai Fido at a very cheap rate. Just plenty of exciting supercoach players who had great years. Uh, Reese Robson was another one. He scored a fair whack of tries. I think he had a six-week period where he scored five tries. Uh, he was on fire during that period. Outside of that, when he's not scoring tries, he was still solid. Mm. Uh, but I definitely think those tries sort of helped him out a little bit. I'd be a little bit hesitant to go too heavy on Reese Robson next year. But, mate, the people that owned him during that period... I was so filthy. He just kept finding the trial line. Yeah, I had him. I'll get it up here, but it was it was pretty close to that exact period, hey? And then I sold him just after the try scoring run. And as you said, he didn't exactly continue on with the exact heights, but he didn't disappoint after that yep. period. So in the back end of the season where people were short on trades and couldn't make do too much difference, uh, he was damn good. So where was he? Robson got him in, in round... I don't even know, mate. Take your time over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, got, I got rid of him in round 19, so just after that sort of yeah, try scoring spree. Run. Round 19, and got him in in round 12. Riveting. Um, <laughs> speaking of try scoring runs. For anyone still listening, where are we up to? <laughs> speaking of try scoring runs, Jeremiah Nanai, what a fucking freak. Mm. I. I get a vibe that I'm going to love this guy's whole career but never own him. I just don't think I could do it. And he's mm. going to keep on scoring tries and going on runs that I have no idea how he does it. He's just something else, this kid. But, mate, have you ever seen anything like it? Wasn't it funny? Like, after he made his money this season, I brought him in round two. Ryan Madison did his hammy into Jeremiah Nanite, 343K. Maddo do his hammy, did he? 
Yeah, have I told you that yeah, one? Yeah, right. Continue. Mate, this doesn't go live for a month, so I won't have said it in at least a month. <laughs> We're still trying to work out when you picked up fucking Robson. Go. <laughs> um, got rid of Nanai about five, six weeks later for about 130-odd K profit, and I'm with you. Because he's always pretty well going to be over 500K now, I just I'm with you. I get the vibe I'll probably never own him because his base is so low, yep. but his attack was so – like. Smashed oh, try scoring. Did he break the try scoring record for the Cowboys this year? I think so. I he did. He might have fallen one short. Yeah. He was getting very, very close. So to he it. um so attack reliant, but yeah, what, what a what a wonderful year. Uh, twenty twenty two most disappointing, mm. mate. We've got a duck egg here. I I honestly couldn't really find anyone mm. in this side. Like you had your your Chad Townsends that didn't score overly well, Supercoach was, but like your Kyle Feltz. But we knew who they were going to be. Oh, I've got one for you. Go, Peter Hicku. Remember earlier in the season, people were real high on Hiku. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, there were can, people that were I'd, high. On I, him. I remember because I remember the uh, the infamous Supercoach spy brought him in pretty early in the season. He was basing mid thirties for the first five rounds of the year. He was cheap at three sixty k, and he was just, yeah basing mad. wasn't getting a lot of attacking stats. The Cowboys were coming good, so a few people flocked to him. And then he finished up with bang on just about his season average every year. 50 points. There you go, Peter Hicker, you we, fucking we, hack. We got you. We, we got you. We someone. Um, still had a cracking season, oh, by yeah. the way, Peter Hicker. Fucking hell. Uh, now, guys to watch in 2023, there aren't a heap of changes to this North Queensland South Cowboys side. Uh, Tommy <laughs> Gilbert will leave. Outside of that, I think it's staying pretty stock standard. You want to touch on Reuben Cotter, my boy. Be very careful. I consider Reuben Cotter family. So off you go. What do you got to say? You're a big family, don't you? Him, oh, massive. Ron, Ron, None of them love me, but Ron, I love them. Ronald, young Ronald Volkman. I think I'm one of your seven sons. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So 59 average for the season, 57 minute average. Now, if we're looking ahead to next year, it was obviously a career year for Ruben Cotter. Do we? How many minutes does he play in the Cowboys pack going forward as a fully fit from round one next year? Oh, I think he will play big minutes. I think big minutes, big base. 65 minutes with one spell. He won't yes. play 80 because he, he won't play 80. To, but 65 with a 15-minute spell looks the go. Hey? Yeah, and I also think he's one of those guys that he would like as soon as they have a HIA or an injury, mm. Todd Payton won't even radio and say, can Cotter play 80? He'll just know. I can just leave him out I'll tell there. You, yeah, the other thing with Cotter, like he's – He's pretty well. In, he's not really an out and out lock, is he? Like, is he? I was going to say he'll be. He should. Will he get dual position? He will. We get front row, second row, dual, which is huge. Yeah. So, surely so he loses hooker this year. He'll lose hooker, but he'll be dual front row, second row, priced on a fifty nine point average. Will he get second row? Tamalolo has worn thirteen just about every game this year, hasn't he? I'm not, I'm not sure if he will get second row. He didn't wear a lot of thirteen, did he? He did. He, did he wear any thirteen? Have you got? His I, I think regardless, while that's not, I, I no, he wasn't named in a thirteen. I don't think he'll get it. Then. <clears throat> they're pretty black and white with to, that. To be shit. honest, that, that doesn't worry me that much because there's going to be so many good back rolls and yes. like most there's, there's pretty rarely many good front rolls. Like you'd be paying massive money for Joe Tapney. He probably starts the year in limited minutes. So. Cotter with a full off season, if he's fit and ready to go on a 59-point average, he's going to be a real goal for round one in the front row. Now, another forward there that I like the look <coughs> of, and I'm sure we all do, Luciana Lealua. Mm. Uh, you've obviously got Tommy Gilbert leaving. Um, Lukey will come back, but he's coming off. Was it an ACL for Lukey? I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? So he, he'll, be, he'll be in for a slow start. I also think, like, you look at this Cowboys side and you look at how fit and defensively strong they are after a big preseason – Mate, give Leilua a proper season 
at the Cowboys under Toddy Payton, he could come back as a fucking juggernaut next year. Uh, he'll probably come off the bench, but I'm confident he can play big minutes off the bench. And they're only one ir- one injury away from him being really relevant. Or during the origin period, Leilua could be fucking gold. Yeah, and he could move in. I said he doesn't necessarily need 80 minutes to be relevant, but he could ro- roll in and become an 80-minute back row if there's an injury or if he just kills in the preseason, which he may. And in the same mould as Reese Robson, he... Played some games in the front row this year. So he could be dual front row, second row. In fact, I think he probably will be. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so very handy. And as I said, an injury or two, or maybe not even an injury or two, he could be a starter and playing big minutes. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he could just play his way into yeah. huge minutes. He's got that sort of ability. Yeah. Uh, and it, fuck, he was dangerous on that left edge. Who's, who's the left edge back row for the Cowboys? Has it been Gilbert for most of the season? Gilbert for a lot of it, and then it was Leilor. Leilor, yeah, so he might just year. be a start-up. Yeah. Yeah, pretty impressive. Um, mate, Cowboys, will that do us for them? As we said, no one overly mm. disappointed inside of Hiku. Heaps of guns up there. Uh, let's move to the Sharkies. Really interesting side. We'll start with Nico Hines. He has been by far and away uh, the best player at the Sharkies this year and one of the best in Supercoach this year. Uh, I, I didn't see him going this. I thought he'd be good, but I didn't see him going this well, mate. Unbelievable. Yeah, put the hand up and say definitely got the Nico one wrong. There are a lot of people, not a lot of people, I think most people were in the boat of he can't possibly match what he did at the Storm going to a side like Cronulla who, while we saw them improving, no one saw him coming second. Yep. Um, so Nico, and I had the odd person just saying he's a freak. They were like, oh, they'd seen him playing juniors in the halves. He'll make the transition easy. I'm like, fair enough. Like You, you might be right, but I was like, I don't see it. Uh, and he's been... Arguably the best supercoach player this season. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah right. If he's not the best, he'd have to be top three. Just in, in terms of, you know, he played 23 games. There were very few low weeks. He was such a safe captaincy pick just about every week. Uh, you look at the back end of the year when other popular captains like Nathan Cleary went down, Ryan Pappenhausen was down. He became such a lock-safe bet every week. Uh, what an absolute season from him and... Next season he'll be he'll be straight half back. So let's say you're probably gonna have to start the year with Nico Hines and Nathan Cleary, and that's going to be a an enormous chunk for the cap. Yeah, I don't think there's any questions asked. I think you have to go with those mm. two. And I think the other thing as well that you know we, we've spoken about Sam Walker a bit about how, how his goal kicking has improved. Nico's has improved out of sight yeah. as the season's gone on because. Mate, there was periods there where he he wouldn't have hit water out of a boat when he was goal kicking. He was all over the place, but he's really starting to hit some form there. So going through the top averaging players, um, leaps and bounds ahead of the rest in top spot, Richard Kenner. <laughs> Average 91 across his one game. Ryan Pappenhausen, um, the bloke who you've got pegged as being really cheap next year, he averaged 90.3. <laughs> it's been a long oh, couple of days. you piece of shit. <laughs> Proceed. Uh, third place, Sean Russell. Uh, I was a Sean Russell owner for all of about 30 minutes, averaged 87 across one game. Nico was in fourth, so essentially second spot behind Pappy with an 86-point average. And then Latrell Mitchell stormed home with an 85-point average. Wow. So Nico... Pappy one, Nico two in terms of scoring. Very, very impressive. The SC Playbook podcast has teamed up with proud sponsors Pat and George from Mortgage Choice Sutherland, Cronulla and Wollongong this season. The boys are experts in all types of home, commercial and car loans. So whether you're a local or living interstate and looking to purchase your first ever home or chase the last rate for your refinance, 
Give them a call on 9521-1611 today and mention SC Playbook for your free tailored expert advice session. Now, mate, should we get into this uh, Cronulla Sharks backline? Because there's four guys here that, depending on the month, week, minute play, they could be the best or they could be most disappointing. Mm. Mulatalo, Ramian, Talakai, Katoa. Um, we just had a little stat from Matty Buxton before saying that Talakai, he's got one try since the uh, explosion, I guess you could call it, uh, against the Manly Seagulls that night. Uh, so I think Talakai's been a headache for a lot of people for the back end of the season. It, fuck, imagine if you missed that big game and then you brought him after that. and Like, he didn't do poorly. But, fuck, it's been a bit of a letdown. I think that I've, I've mentioned a lot of times the infamous train ride where you talked me into Mulatalo uh, being an absolute weapon for the run home. He's been a little bit hit and miss. Ramian's been the same. And um, Katoa standing outside Ramian, I reckon he, he was probably the most frustrating, but he did really well. These four, they could fit into the best or the most disappointing. What's your, what's well, your live reaction it, it, to these in guys? Terms, <clears throat> in terms of the spread of scoring, and you mentioned how hard it was just to nail the right player to go well on his day. And I think this, to me, shows why the Sharkies are building into such a lethal side. Of the averages, Muli Talo, 61. Talakai, 60. Katoa, 60. Ramian, 59. So they just share the load. There's no... There's no dominant left edge. There's no dominant right edge. They just play footy across the park, and the attacking stats can land on any of those four players. If it was a side like South Sydney where... All of it went down the left edge and you, you just go locking the left edge wing of Ronaldo Mulitalo and he'd probably average about 90. But they just shared across the board. So, And, and it was a very hard to give advice on the Sharkies' backline players all year because you're like, they're all guns, but they can all go 150 or 20. So, yeah, going into next season, I don't see why that had changed. And, I mean, you have a look at the all the guys that came in to replace those fellas throughout the year, whether it be Kay Dykes, whether it be <coughs> Miller, Ikevalu, mm. Mate, none of them averaged under 50 points. On top of those four that I just said averaged between 59 and 61, Ikevalu, five games for 65 average. Lockie Miller, six games for 63 average. They're just all sitting on top of each other, aren't they? Yeah, it's their, their depth is it's unfair, mm. to be honest with you. It is just ridiculous. Mate, guys to watch for 2023, we've got two back rowers here. The first one is Teague Wilton. Uh, showed at the start of the year just how talented he was. Probably think he's been a little bit unfairly treated uh, over there. Obviously, Wade Graham, if you've got a Wade Graham in your team, you have to pick him. But, mate, I'm starting to wonder if Wade Graham is more of a bench sort of guy than a starting back rower now, despite how incredibly talented and how good he's been for so long. I always thought that edge was more dangerous, and I thought Talakai in particular was more dangerous whenever Wilton was out there. What are your thoughts on him heading into next season? You're spot on with Talakai and Wilton in that combination because Teague Wilton runs that just typical hard back rowers line, yep. and it just creates space on the outside. Now, Wade Graham's the opposite, isn't he? He catches early, he can ball play, he can kick him behind the line, but he doesn't exactly give players that space outside. So Wilton will definitely bring that left edge in. <clears throat> I'm with you. I think we, we could see him starting next year and potentially wait a game to the bench. Average 60 minutes this year for 47 points. I think if yeah. he lands an 80-minute back row roll, playing outside Matty Moylan, and we see Nico play both sides of the field as well, he could be a really cheeky pick-up on a 47-point average next year for round one. It's almost with Talakai, the less you do is more. Mm. 
I think with Wade Graham, he just tries to do a little bit too much with the ball, and he gets to Talco with just just a little less time than what what he needs. What Wil, like Wilton runs a brilliant line, it makes it sound like I'm underappreciating that, but just keeping it simple for Talakai seemed to be what worked best for him. The other one is Britton Akora. Now, fuck, he finished the season strong, scored a fair whack of try. I think he scored three on the weekend. Um, his form in the back end was incredible. And one thing from having him in draft that I noticed, and I don't know if it'll come through on the stats, but he, he does need attacking points to score well unless it rains. You go through his season, every time it rained, I was able to, to captain him in my draft team because he just gets 60 base yeah, stats all of a sudden. Right. It was bizarre. Every single time it rained. What did he get against the Dragons that night where it pissed rain at the start of the season? It's like round six or round seven or something. Round three against the Dragons, 67. All base. With, with, with four, it was 49 in base, but that's like he had a season base of 43, so substantially up. Yeah, mate. Every time it rained, he was unbelievable. Throughout the whole year, whenever it rained, he just went gangbusters. Yeah. Starts. It was bizarre. I, I sort of thought I was going crazy for the start of the year until it it's started to – it started to th – yeah, and, and you I, can't plan around. I suppose rain. it probably plays around that they're – You'd argue probably the most expansive side in the competition, the Sharkies, just throwing the ball willy-nilly from side to side. And that'd be a lot of Nikora getting cut out in the edge back yep. rollers. But when it's wet, probably just had to do the hard yards. Yeah, for sure. It, it was crazy how it all sort of played out. But yeah, scored a bunch. I mean, I remember watching him in the preseason and thinking, fuck, he's in for a huge year mm. here. I think he, his consistency improved out of sight this year, mm. but he didn't really get the attacking stats until the back end when he went huge. So Britt Nikora, one to watch there. The, the other thing there... First season combination. I love seeing combinations unfold between edge back rolls and their halves. Yep. Another a year under his belt, another full preseason outside Nico Hines. They could that could be something special for many years. I'm not sure if you remember, but you actually nailed it in the preseason. He scored a cracking try off Nico Hines in the trial, and I sort of said, "I reckon he's going to explode." And you said, "Oh, I'm hesitant on him." It was Canterbury's <laughs> defence. They were all over the place. And I, I thought, oh, this fucker, he's going to score five tries in the next 10 <laughs> weeks, Nick Cora. Took him forever to get a media. It was tough to watch. So some yeah, of your beauty. best work there. Thanks, mate. Um, Penny Panthers. Another one. Pretty hard to find disappointing guys. Easy to find their best. Nathan Cleary. Um, by far and away their best super coach player. Good God, it was disappointing when he uh, got sent off and I had him as captain and then we missed him for the season. And... The, the Nathan Cleary one probably didn't hurt us as much as others because we had trades up mm. our sleeve. But if you were running low, that one would have really, really stung you. Uh, the left edge, Taylor May, Isaac Tungo, Viliami, Kikau. Wow. Three players in a row averaging 60 to low, uh, high 60s. Unbelievable, these three. They were. And, and I think probably Taylor May and Isaac Tungo were victims late in the season in terms of when looking at their final averages of not having Luai or Nathan yeah. Cleary because the, the whole Penrith attack and dynamic just changed. They played a lot through the middle. The ball movement wasn't there and they had some really low scores which really brought down their averages. But, mate, for, for debut seasons, effectively, they were just wonderful. And, again, I'll, I'll be pretty hard-pressed going against them to start next season. Just same with Isaac Tungo too, another guy that I had in draft, and as you all know, I absolutely <coughs> love this bloke. He finished with a 60-point average, and you know, once again, as we know, the back end of the season without Luai really, really hurt him. Uh, I, I, like Many scores below his average there, 36, 51, 39, 53 to finish the season. Mate, in the first 10 weeks, he got nine tries taken off him as well. 
It was mental. It was it? crazy. Every single week he got – there was about three times where I had him first try score and he got a try taken off him. It was unbelievable. So his score, mate, I, I, I personally think that like he'll be at value next year at a 60-point average. I think he's, he's, he's worth more than that. It will be interesting, though, without Viliami kick out yep. on that edge next year. Personally, I think it helps Isaac. I think it hurts Taylor May. Yeah, because you would quite often get Tungo running that overs line with Kikau at the back. I, you know, without knowing who it'll be, I don't think Hoskins or Garner has the same upside. They as won't. Villiam they won't do that sweeping line out the nope. back. Nope. And I reckon you'll see Isaac Tungo get a lot more just early clean yeah. ball. So he's a guy that I, despite his price tag, I think I will start with him next year. Mm. I really do. Yeah, and then yeah, I said if it's t- even if Taylor May does keep scoring his tries, which is every chance on the wing for Penrith. Well, as opposed to Kikau setting him up a lot with those sweeping plays, it'll probably be Tungo. So yep. it's kind of like you can nearly double down. Yeah, I yeah, I'll be seriously considering. I'll definitely start with Tungo. I'll be seriously considering playing both of them to start though. Um, who else do we have here? We spoke of Viliami Kikau. He's obviously leaving now. Probably the most disappointing if we had to pick one from this Penrith Panthers side. We're both huge fans of him. We both had him by the end of the season. Uh, I'm not as big a fan of him after he embarrassed me a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and I do hold a grudge. So watch yourself, Brian. Uh, Oh, he has been an absolute super coach stud the last few years. Moved from the left to the right, found himself outside Stephen Crichton, which uh, is normally a tough spot to be unless you say that week he's not going to score tries, in which <laughs> Stephen Crichton will pass the ball like it's going out of fashion. But uh, Brian Toe, for what we know of him, um, base stats down a little bit based on previous years. That was the vibe that I got, and obviously scoring less tries. Still finished with a pretty good average. He, he would have been close to 60, wouldn't he? He averaged 60, yeah, 59. 59, mm. yeah. Close to 60, not bad. Um, not a terrible season, but by Brian Toto's standards, a little bit disappointing. Shows how good this fucking team is that we're saying a CTW that scored 59 was disappointing, yeah. though. And averaged 84 the year before. So <sighs> that's why it was disappointing. And people started the year with him at that price. It's 736 grand. We've spoken about how 2021, these high scoring records broken, et cetera, et cetera. And it was never quite going to be that high, but you definitely expected more. And it was just the victim of Penrith being just a left-side dominant team. Yep. And left-side dominant, and you already touched on Stephen Crichton. He he really developed his ball playing in the back end of the year, but it just wasn't there for the majority of it. So he, he came back from injury and was a little bit slow to get going again um, earlier on in the year. Again, 60 average next season. Well, hard to go past round one. Like it's Very hard. Just Penrith, they're so red hot, aren't they? And you're going to get some pretty affordable players, I think, next season. Yeah, so Toto is one that we'll be watching very closely for 2023. A couple of other guys. Kick out leaves. Um, the oh, I was going to say arguably, it's probably not arguably the best row, the best back row bit of real estate in rugby league. The left edge mm. for the Penrith Panthers opens up. Couple of guys, one guy that's already there could be Scotty Sorensen. He'll put his hand up for that role, but I personally think Cleary will want to keep him off the pine. I think he's too good off the bench. All of a sudden, two guys really jump to mind for me. The first one is Luke Garner coming from the West Tigers, who I think he runs arguably the best line in rugby league. He's incredible, Garner. And then Hoskins, a uh, young fellow from Newcastle who popped up at the Brisbane Broncos this year, signed by the Penrith Panthers as soon as he showed a little bit of promise in first grade. Uh, I'm not sure which way they go here, but whichever way they do go, I think I'd have either of these two in my side. Yeah, I think I think Garner's got to be the man. He's such a wonderful player, and he's had really, really great moments this year at the Tigers, who were an absolute travesty. So to go from the 
wooden spooners to the minor premiers and potentially a week from when this airs premiers again. Garner, he could be really, really good if he locks down an 80-minute role. Uh, and he's one that excites me. So what's he got for next season? He's coming off a... Didn't average much this season for obvious reasons. Also had his injury troubles, so had a lot of um, minutes reduced by that. Round 23, he played three minutes in that game. Round one, he played nine minutes. So he had a 41-point average, but that was oh. significantly reduced. So at 41K, a starting, potentially 80-minute Penrith back row on the left edge. Bang. And I'll tell you right now, if Garner is the <laughs> starting left edge back row for me, Isaac Tungo becomes almost a must-have. Yeah. Because yes, that, that line he runs, he'll just be drawing him in, drawing him in, won't he? Yeah, it'll be lethal. Um, I wonder if Kickout leaving, and I'm talking completely off the dome here, we haven't spoken about this, I wonder if Kickout leaving and them not having that extra ball play there, I wonder if Dylan Edwards starts to play a little bit more down that edge. He could be another one that could be interesting. Yeah. Because he, he predominantly plays middle and down the right, doesn't sweep to the left all that often. But if Kickout's gone and they don't try and turn Garner or Hoskins, whoever it is, into that extra ball player... You might find that Dylan Edwards gets a bit more ball down that edge, which could make – that could add 15 points to his game every single week. We're pretty short on decent fullbacks to consider, so like – well, But he, but he will be a great little pod yeah, player. Yeah, no, like. no, for sure. And, and I see what you're saying, and there's definitely merit in it, but God, I hope he doesn't start averaging 80 because I just don't <laughs> I don't need more stress watching one of these fullbacks who I don't. I did it with Luttrell for the last two months. Yep. I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, now, Abby Curacao leaves, which leaves a spot open in the nine jersey. Uh, you got Mitch Kenny, who was a skipper last week at hooker. I think you'll have Sonny Luke coming off the bench. Uh, I think people will look at these two. It's a miss me on both of them. I think it'll be like a 50-30 split. Mm. Um, Kenny, I don't think he's got enough attacking upside to do enough damage in that 50. Uh, Sonny Luke's very talented. If something happens that Kenny goes down and Sonny Luke ends up playing huge minutes, then we can have a conversation about him. But I think he will be very much so an impact guy off the bench. I don't think we should be looking at either of these two. Yeah, I'm with you. And we see we see this often at uh, the start of Supercoach seasons where people see a cheap hooker, they really need the sole role to themselves where they're playing, if not 80 minutes, like minimum 65, because anything less, unless you're really a gun attacker, you know, they might base 35, 40, but that's all they get. Mm. And it's it's just not enough. So, and, and I think for an example of someone like, we've seen Jacob Little cheap in past years and Jake Simpkin and you go, oh, they're dirt cheap. They'll get decent minutes and score well. It doesn't happen. So I think one of them needs the sole hooking role unless Kenny were to come off the bench, which seems unlikely, and it went to, to Luke. Um, yeah, that I think probably avoids. Yeah. The last guy I want to touch on is Taruva. Uh, obviously, you've got Robert Jennings heading up to the Dolphins, so he becomes next man up in that back line. I probably think he's jumped Ch Charlie Staines. Mm. Personally, there are rumours of Staines leaving anyway, but Taruva, he's just re-signed for a couple of years. Uh, debutant on the weekend, Tom Jenkins, he's another one that I think he'll be there and thereabouts for next man up. But I think it's pretty obvious that Taruva, he is the next guy to come into this side. And if he does get an opportunity, uh, he will do very, very well there. Um, as we've said, a bit, you know, best back line in the competition if a spot opens up there, regardless of where yeah. it is, uh, that'll be a great little get. Anyone else at the Panthers that uh, gets your interest, mate? All sorted, mate. All sorted. Uh, guys, that will do us for Beers and Break Evens this year. Uh, thank you for joining us. It has been an unreal little experience. We uh, we will be back next year bigger and better. Thankfully, we both did pretty well this year, ranks-wise and everything, which made it very competitive. Mm. Hopefully, it can be similar next year. The cream can keep rising as it did this <laughs> year. 
Poor old Timmy, that, that ceiling's getting a workout at home, isn't it? Oh, geez, Jimmy. Looking forward to this off-season, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, but guys, special shout-out to Blue Wealth Property. Um, Tony's come on the show a couple of times over the over the season, and they have been sensational for us. Um, yeah, really looking forward to a partnership in the future with them as well. And then we've got Bloke in a Bar as well. Get out this weekend, grand final week. Buy yourself a case of Bloke, midi, full strength, whatever it might be, and uh, enjoy the grand final on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to say Penrith by eight. What do you got? Without knowing which teams are going to be there. What do you got? Speaking of uh, cream rising to the top, mate, I think Penrith, uh, God, I hope this doesn't age poorly, but I think they're the best of the best. And I think we could see a grand final where they win by 14 to 18. I like it. Nathan Cleary, back-to-back lives. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it. Uh, special shout-out as well. Cheers to Matty the Waterboy. He has done some fucking hard yards this <laughs> year for us, and we appreciate him every week. We're always late or fucking around with times or doing something. He's been a champion. So thank you, Matty. Uh, thank you, guys. We'll see you next year on Beers and Break Evens. Cheers.